0: This is the Patrick E. McLean podcast. Today, humility. Humility. I feel like I'm not worthy to talk about humility. (laughs) So here's my favorite humble brag. I am the most humble person in the world. So if there was one virtue that the modern world seems to have forgotten or offers very little opportunities to learn, I think it's humility. Technologies and institutions serve to insulate us from our inadequacies and shortcomings. We don't have to face, you know, we don't have to think about how we fall apart sometimes, how we fall short of the mark, because there's always another distraction. There's this thing I do when I get stuck in traffic, and it, it, if you think about it, it's really quite stupid, but it illustrates this point. I'll be listening to a song on the radio. All the traffic comes to a halt. And then when I'm frustrated, I'll start changing the song on the radio as if changing the song on the radio is going to fix the problem of being stuck in traffic or distract me from whatever it is. People do this with their phones all the time. You know, I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm bored or I'm uncomfortable and they'll pull out their phone and they'll look at something. But I think one thing that leads to humility is if you go somewhere and you sit down and, and think, not, not a meditation technique, not some you know crazy mindfulness fad, just give yourself a minute with no input and see what is going on inside you and what comes out of what's inside you. And there'll be thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, and not all of these feelings are going to be good. And if you examine you know, your own behavior, your conduct over the past few days, you're going to find things or, you know, years or whatever, you're going to find things about yourself that that you don't like all that much. And you might have to focus somewhat on your failures. So I think part of the consequence of having something to entertain us all the time is that we don't, we avoid thinking about such things. And I mean, honestly, in one sense, who, who wants to think about how they're less than adequate? what that does is it it denies you that not having that pause it denies you access to to some stuff that's inside you that's always there right that uh saint francis of assisi said there are wild forces within us let let us turn the mills that fill the sacks that feed even heaven i always love that quote but understanding that we're not always completely in charge of what's going on inside us uh, is also very humbling and it doesn't have to be spiritually humbling. This can be scientifically humbling. Like if you look at the neurology or the biology of a person, we're an amalgamation of systems that evolved over, I don't know, a billion years uh, that, that, not billion years, can't be right. I have to look this up, but... What happens is we've got, you know, a subsystem for fear. We've got a subsystem for being pursued. We've got a subsystem for fleeing. We've got different emotions. We've got, you know, different down to different types of muscle fiber. All of these different things have stacked up. You know, you can think that you're in charge. Your ego is in charge of things. But um, as soon as your brain sim says, listen, they're making some bad choices here. It's time to pass out. You're, You're no longer in control. And you can't. You know you can't consciously control your digestion. Uh, you're not you're not really driving. Well, actually, driving is the right analogy. You're you're driving the car in that you are giving an input to the steering wheel and the pedals. But you're not in control of the car. You're not actively monitoring the temperature of the trans transmission. There are other systems that are going on there, and you're not even in control of where the car goes. You're in control of the input, and most of the time it works out for you but you're really not in control, as any patch of black ice will, will uh, reveal to you. So I have this very, very skilled, very talented teacher who told me that the most important thing to cultivate, after you've got some basic skill and are learning and getting better and having mastery, is humility. Because if you don't have humility, you become a monster and destroy your own life and the lives of those around you. And I can see how that's true, and I can see how my development as a writer especially is linked to willing to be humble. So I'll give you a perfect example. Um, before I ever attempted fiction, I had had a fairly successful career as an advertising creative. I'd won awards, people, um, national, international awards for making funny ads. And uh, people said I was a great writer, and everywhere I went, people said I was a great writer. They gave me, they gave me money. Uh, when I sat down to write fiction, I had no idea what I was doing, and I had to uh, get rid of the idea of being a great writer. But it didn't go away immediately. I wrote How to Succeed in Evil, and that was something of a success. That sold a bunch of books. Uh, it won some awards. That first novel, it was really, um, it's really exciting, and more confirmation of my little worldview that I could be arrogant about you know about being a writer i'm i'm a writer i could even look at literary writers and say well my my book has sold more copies than yours and has been downloaded more times and you and your mfa you know you're not really i'm the real writer it's all bullshit all of it's bullshit um and it was revealed when i wrote unkillable because what i what i thought was that i could write a novella a novella and a novella and then put them all together in a novel and release them you know a little bit, a little bit, and when I I wrote that first one and I recorded it and it was actually kind of nice as performance art, um, and I put it out there, and then I had this long weekend. I think it was Memorial Day weekend and my wife was traveling and it was just a rare weekend alone. And I sat down. And I said, "I'm really gonna make some. I'm gonna make a dent in this thing. I'm really gonna do something here." And I sat down and I reread it. And I reread my outline for the rest of it. And I realized that it was totally broken and I didn't know what was going on. Like I had no command over the writing. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was, it was so humbling. And for about two or three hours, I was just devastated. And then I started really thinking about and researching stories and saying, you know, other people don't have this problem. There must be something I don't know. And the learning is on the other side of that painful and humbling moment. So I find that this is especially important with parenting for me. And there's this conversation that I have with my son. I've had it twice and it's been a good conversation both times. Uh, and it goes something like this. It's, it's have you ever been a kid before? And my son says, no, because you know, it's a crazy, crazy question. And I say, well, listen, I've never been a dad before. So I don't really know how to do this. I mean, I have some ideas, and I'm trying the best I can, but this is the first time I've ever done this. So you're going to have to help me, and we're going to have to work together to figure this out together. And that conversation gets really good results. But you have to have a level of humility, and it's it allows you to see the truth. Like, G.K. Chesterton said something about... The most important jobs in life can only be done by amateurs, right? If, if, uh, when love becomes professional, what do you call it? Like it's, you know, you, you being married, raising kids, like you have ideas culturally, but it does, does help to have a sense of humility and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and stuff my ego down here. I don't care what I have to do to do a good job. I'm just gonna do a good job here. In the interests of full disclosure, I should point out that I also have a daughter, and I have never had that conversation with her. Partially because she's two and a half, two and a bit, uh, and secondly because she's a terrorist and she can smell fear. She's a totally different human being than my son, and I don't know. I mean, she might just she might just decide to take over. I, I have no worries about her making her way through life. Um, it is just her world, and sometimes the rest of us are just living in it but that's a that's another fine example of humility just because you know you think you know something when you have a first child it's it's not true it's not true at all ask any parent who has more than one kid uh they're all different and your your arrogance is is quickly removed from you if you think that um the first kid taught you anything that will save you with the second kid when things get tough you it, it's uh humility so there you go. It's uh, my very humble episode. I hope in some way it helps you rethink your place in the universe uh, in a way that makes you more productive and a better person. Because what we don't think about of the virtue of humility very much is recognizing in some sense that you're the underdog or lacking or it's not going to be easy. For me, that, that calls forth my absolute best effort. I've gets, everything gets my full attention. I'm at my sharpest. I have to call on all my resources. And I bring everything I can out of me because humility reminds you, and it's correct, uh, that that the world can be more complicated. Situations can be more complicated and difficult than they seem. Sometimes, um, like if you're writing a first novel, it might be better to uh, be arrogant Uh, and not realize how much trouble you're getting yourself into. But that arrogance probably means it's not going to be a very good novel. Um, Anyway, that is my humble podcast episode. I hope you found something of value in my humble ramblings.